Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Bitch Mob ENT podcast. We got a special guest today for y'all. We have Brino Giacomini on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yes, sir. Um, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Can't complain. For those that do not know who this man is, he played in the NFL 12 seasons. He was there. He played with the Packers practice squad. He played with Seahawks. He played with the Jets. And I think he finished his career off with the Texans. He's a Super Bowl winner. Played at Louisville. A lot of football knowledge. Has seen a lot of football. We are thankful that you took time out your schedule to be on with us. How's life been for you after football? Um, it's It's been a change, you know. Uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, – my whole life has been football, you know, actually started with soccer, but um, it's, it's an adjustment, but it's been awesome. The time that I didn't have with my family and friends, now I do. So uh, just trying to catch up and, and figure it out, man. Hey, that's good. The, the time with family, I know of a lot of athletes tell us that, you know, because you're trying to be great at your craft, that's what sacrifice. So it's dope to still be able to have that time with the family. Now, when you were right. at, you were at Louisville. Did you have any any idea that you would be a professional football player? And if you did, when was that moment that clicked for you? Like, hey, I could do this professionally. So to to start off, I got blessed. I'm, I'm very lucky to go there, and I had no idea what I was getting into, man. Um, I just got lucky, uh, and then when I did get there, I didn't think I. I was gonna I was gonna go pro at all, but you know through through hard work and uh, leadership and guys explaining the game and, and really falling in love with the game, uh, it it became pair it, it became kind of uh, a reality a possibility I should say uh, my senior season. That's when I started at tackle. I wasn't a tight end. I wasn't going back and forth from tight end to tackle. So I started. 12 games my senior year and the scouts coming in and my, and the coaches telling me, you know, you, you might be able to get a shot here, you know, so keep doing what you're doing. It, it became a possibility going into my senior year. Now you mentioned the tight end. I was reading that you play a little tight end. You played linebacker in high school too. What was that? Was that an easy transition going from, the tight end to then your senior season is like full-time you're at tackle? So it was, yes. And it was because I was a tight end because I was an athletic tackle. And I was a tackle because I wasn't a really athletic tight end, if that makes sense. You know, so Coach uh, Bobby Petrino actually, um, my freshman year, I was like two weeks at defensive end. He calls me up to his office like, uh-oh. He told me that day during training camp, then the training camp, you're going to be a tackle one day in the NFL. And so that's kind of he sold, he sold it to me. But So we need you at tight end right now. You're not going to redshirt, but one day this is the goal. And so, yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I just – I shut up. I listened to what I was told, and, and look where we're at now. So he had the vision, really. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of easy because I was a blocking tight end. 
Well, shout out to Bobby for even seeing that in you and having the vision to say, all right, right, right now this is where you at, but ultimately you're going to be in the NFL playing tackle. So I know that had to right. be huge for you, especially like having that confidence from your coach and that belief in you was like, hey, you're actually going to be playing in the NFL one of these days. So I think that's super dope. Now, once you made it to the NFL, you were drafted, you spent the first couple of years on the practice squad, what was that like for you? Were you having any doubts during that time period of like, I'm on the practice squad, I'm not seeing the field yet on Sundays? What was your mental like during that time period? Um, so it was, I knew I was, was going to be an experiment, right? Uh, I, got, I got drafted in the fifth round and I got there. And man, when you go from eighth grade to your high school or high school to college, and then college to the pro, I thought I had no no shot. No way I could play this game. You know, I was the first couple of years, I was uh I like to call them stupid rookies, but um you just have no idea, you know. Uh so it was challenging, but it was awesome, man. Like every day I'd go to work at Lambeau Field. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just I was Looking back at it now, I was just, I was so happy to be there. You know, I was trying to enjoy my time there because I, I knew it was limited. Um, so I did everything I could to, to get better and, and stay in the league. I know that definitely was the, a great perspective. Like, yo, I'm just happy to be here. Like, I know that got to be, like you said. Every day, every day, dude, till my last day. Like, all right, cool. I'm not playing on Sunday, but I'm practicing with the yes. Green Bay Packers at the most historic, probably field in NFL and Lambeau Field. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Listen, I'm from Boston. I it, it's like living on a farm. Ain't nothing else to do out here. So you're right, Lambeau Field. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just started. He was the you know that was his first season as a starter. Um, it was just, it was incredible. It was awesome. Now from Green Bay, you ended up signing with the Seattle Seahawks. And from that first year, you're actually on the field, you're getting playing time, you're getting starts. Once you actually was with Seattle, was it a feeling of like vindication or a feeling like, all right, cool. I belong here being that you started having some success and playing time with Seattle. Yeah. So, um, Actually, the John Schneider drafted me or was part of that staff. He became the GM in Seattle. Uh, that day, he told me, he's gonna, I'm going to come get you. That's exactly what he did off a of practice squad. So I fly to Seattle. Uh, my first year, I was actually up and down on their squad, too. Um, and then the following season, they brought in Tom Cable. Offensive line coach that, like Bobby, basically changed my life. Um, because if if you look up Tom Cable, he he's an aggressive coach. You know, he his style is we're gonna just grind it. You know, we're gonna take the hill every day. Um, and so that really fit into my mindset. Uh, and he took that and ran with it. And I, you know, I was just. I'm just going to be aggressive as I can. He saw something 
in me that I didn't even know. So um, you kind of earn your uh, respect and you earn your playing time. And um, it was cool, man. It was cool. He he was a good coach in the sense that he took what I could do good and made me better at it. You know what I'm saying? Not not just me, but everybody. As a coach, that was um, that was incredible for us and 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 our success there. To me, those are the best coaches. Those the ones that all right. These are your strengths. Hundred percent. I'm gonna maximize what you do well and work with you instead of the coaches that's not flexible. It's like all right, this is my game plan. This is what we're going to do. I don't care if you fit into my scheme or not. You're going to do it this way. So, so you can in the and I've only been in the real world for three years now. You could substitute coach for teacher, your boss, role mm-hmm. model. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm starting to adapt and learn. It's pretty cool in that sense. Well, obviously, Tom and the rest of the coaches staff knew what they were doing because that Seattle squad ends up winning the Super Bowl. That season that you guys won the Super Bowl, was there a point where you guys, like as a team, was like, hey, we actually could go win the Super Bowl, or was it just like one game at a time, and the next thing you know, we're in the Super Bowl, and we win it, and we won it convincingly, too, at that. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it was my fourth year there. Yeah, it was kind of like we had some growing pains, you know, um, but as we kept building through the draft, I mean – Pete brought in, I think it was like 280 guys one season. That's that's crazy, you know? So uh, Pete had the vision for the team, man. And as we kept going, we were never – well, it got to the point where maybe the defense knew that they were legendary. Um, so we just took it one game at a time, man. Like, it, he instilled that in us. Pete did. So and it's kind of coach talk if you listen out loud to it, but like week one is the same as the Super Bowl as far as on the field, you know? Um, so that's how we train. That's how we practice every day, every week in the off season, same mindset. You take it one play at a time. No, that makes One me- day at a time, you know, one step at a time. So it, that was, uh, it was cool because it led to all these wins and then in the playoffs, man, we just ran with it. Literally. Well, when I was there, it was cool. It was Most definitely that's that's a great mindset to have in life too. Like a lot of people don't Done. realize sports can really correlate and translate over to like everyday single life. So right? it does not can in my life, it is every day. That's how I talk to my boys, like to relate that to football. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting that you 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 just nailed it. It really is. Now, for you, you guys won the Super Bowl. How did you celebrate winning a Super Bowl? Oh, this is good. Um, okay, we after the Super Bowl, you do the family thing. And then we went back to Seattle, the parade. And then I went to Vegas. And then I went to Miami. And then I went to Brazil, and then I came back to Miami. We hit Vegas again, and then went back to Seattle. <laughs> so 
Uh, you can look that up. My nonprofit, you know, we just happened to win the Super Bowl. And that was, uh, I think, I think about 10 to like three months of just nonstop uh, partying and celebrating. But in, in like six weeks, that, that happened. New York, Seattle, Vegas, Miami, Brazil, back to Miami. We were like, you know what? We might as well go back to Vegas and then Seattle. So it was cool, man. It was um, it was awesome. That was well-deserved. And like I said, I mentioned before, it was a convincing win, like 43-8, to eight, if I remember correctly. Did you guys, in your wildest of dreams, even envision that it would be that dominant of a win in the Super Bowl on the biggest stage? <laughs> so if anybody on, the, on that team says that, they're lying to you. Because who was quarterback? Peyton Manning. Yeah, enough said. No shot do we think that. Or no way. We thought we, we're going to have to get this one. We're going to have to grind this out. We got to, you know. That said, the first play of, of, the, of his game, or the first offensive snap for Denver, the ball went over his head. And so that was my sign. Like, yo. Oh, okay. Watch out now. First play. Uh, all right, all right. And then we we just did what we did, man. And it just it got out of hand. But if I could, I mean, that's the one game that I, if I could pick to get out of hand from in favor of of us, that would be it. In New York, I'm from Boston. I literally had like 50 people there. It was it was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. I'm pretty sure it hit different. Like you said, being from Boston, that's a couple hours away. So I know that hit differently for you. You mentioned it a little bit earlier about the nonprofit. Could you share with us, you know, what was the inspiration and what was behind the idea for American football without barriers? Yeah. So um, my roommate in college is Gary Barnett. He's from Middleburg, Florida. And for four years, he was. He was a tight end, he, all pro tight end in the league. We tried to do something that we didn't have. So we teamed up, like, we're in the league. We can, let's do something um, together. And we created, well, we came up with three football camps at my high school and in his high school. Um, and that led to, well, I, I guess the main goal there was to just give back to the community in a way that affected us. We couldn't go to football camps. We couldn't pay for these camps. So that's kind of how it came about. And we literally ran with that all over the world. Um, actually, Corona kind of kicked our butt a little bit, but we're getting back on track starting next year. That's dope. I was on the page checking it out. The amount of people that were impacted, the amount of different countries that you went to and right, having right. The idea and the mindset of giving back, which you've been in well, the that, yeah, yeah. You, I'm pretty sure you could attest and see that everybody doesn't have that mindset of giving back. No, you're right, and so um, they they do a really bad job because a lot of guys do give back. Mm. Um, you know, the negativity sells, and and that's what you kind of want to see. But the positive that let's say. Um, let's say 70 or 80% of the guys that do do it 
you know, it really affects not only us as players and as humans, but um, the people that we give back to or serve. It's just a good feeling, man. For you, you're being on the offensive line, being a tackle. Most times people do not really pay attention or value like the average fan doesn't truly value that. But for you, what was like the hardest part of being a tackle in the NFL? Um, so I, as a tackle, as an alignment, you don't, you don't want that light on you. So perfect way to start, right? This is good for me. Um, the hardest thing, dude, is how am I going to gain an advantage being, you know, I, I, was, you know, I was taller than everybody, but they're way faster. They're way stronger. They're, they're uh, I, I, I don't really belong here. So what am I going to do? To, be, to belong here. Uh, my advantage was to study the game, my techniques, know what the defense was doing it before they were doing it. Um, mm. let, me, let me rewind. Know what I was doing, you know, every play, and then and then the guard and tight end, the whole O-line. So um, that was my advantage, basically, just knowing the game, studying the defenses, the schemes, looking for the little details of like, all right, if his heel is on the hash mark, I'm talking about the linebacker now. I know that they're going to come and blitz on this, on my side. If he's outside or inside, they're blitzing. If he's outside, they're not. I'm talking about three-inch difference, you know? So... Those type of details is um, what really kept me there. That was my advantage, I I would say. I'm glad you shared that, though, because a lot of people, the average, average, you know, casual fans is like, oh, the O-linemen, they just push people over. But it's actually a lot more detail, a lot more knowledge that has to go into it. Like, you guys are reading defenses, too. You guys are seeing, all right, where I need to pick up this coverage. They're coming with a blitz. It's a lot, and – I think for me watching it, the only time O-linemen often get mentioned is when it's in negative. If it's a flag, then they talk about them. But this O-lineman <laughs> had four straight games, no sacks. One game he has two flags. Next thing you know, oh, he's a bust. We should trade him. But Dude, he was good the whole time. You're, no, you're right. And believe, I was in um, – I like – to say angry elf on the field. So I got a lot of little slacks. Okay. Um, but you're right. That's, it is what it is. And, and that's okay. You know, what we do isn't exciting. You know what I mean? Um, and so the people that do respect it and as you grow with the game and the knowledge of it, it's, it's okay, man. That's the whole line. That's what we want. We don't want nobody talking about us, put us in the dark corner and we're going to go to work. Uh, but uh, if you can respect it, though, the the amount of work that it takes um, to get all those points and to, to go down that road and to get a win, it definitely starts up front, both sides of the ball. Yeah, I always love it because I'm like, you got to think about it, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, 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 sometimes 3, 340 pounds, yeah. and they're moving at this point at this type of speed, at this type of strength, 
four, sometimes 12, 14 play drives. No, they, that's one of the most athletic type of positions in the NFL that people just underestimate. Like, oh, it's just strength. The footwork that goes into it, the technique, like you mentioned earlier, it's a lot that goes into it with being an offensive lineman and especially the defense. Some of these defensive tackles. Yo, the, some of them, all of them are way faster and stronger than we are. You know, so – you're right. It was all about details, man. It was insane. Like one wrong step, see you later. You know, you could take your nameplate, but uh, this isn't going to work. It, it, it was cool. I, I really fell in love with it. Well, you and I appreciate you, you kind of bringing that out, like the work that we do and the details. That yes, we got to do it as, as big and strong as we are. There's always on that side of the ball. The defense is way faster, way stronger. Yes, sir. I definitely, I definitely appreciate it. Definitely locked into that. I didn't play football, but just understanding and respecting the love of it and seeing how hard it is and talking to other people like is definitely each position has their own challenges for you right. in your career. Right. Is there anything that you would, change about your career change um i guess we could start right with the flags yeah you know the penalties and stuff like that i had to get an edge man you know i'm gonna hold because that i'm gonna hold you until i can't you know i'm gonna i'm gonna test that line i think early in my career that's one thing i would change is um you know kind of adapting to the game a little bit not not going above and beyond just for no reason or because I was hot or just this is how I'm going to do it, you know. Um, I guess a l little less um, aggressiveness. I just – I wish I didn't get as many flags as I did early. Personal foul penalties, dude, I was coming in hot, you know. Um, in that sense, that's one thing I would change for sure. Now, I got a couple more before we end it off with our segment that we call the fourth quarter, which is some fun questions to get to know you a little bit. Got more. it. Uh, yes, sir. Not football, but uh, for you, right, I'm not going to go into the detail of what some of, you know, some of your teammates have been doing, but in regards of just on the field, are you shocked at Russell Wilson's play over the last couple seasons? Shocked? <clears throat> um, I'm not. No. I'm not shocked because it's not just him, you know? Now, he gets highlighted, okay? If they're doing that bad, it's not just one man. Just like it, it isn't – it's not just Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? So, in that sense, am I shocked? No, I'm not shocked. This is, that's the game, you know? And I guess you could put it this way. You start to see that what it takes to be great, to – Winning the NFL, not only to win, but how are you going to do it next week? So if we rewind one step at a time, one day at a time, one play at a time. Um, so it's tough, man. I'm not shocked. I literally just said it last week. I'm like, it's a whole lot of factors going on with the Broncos, yes. the way that they're struggling. Right. I, don't, I personally don't like that it's all being put, like, mainly on Russ. The defense plays a factor into it. The O-line plays a factor into it. Coaching plays a factor into it. It's not. Everything. 
the cook that cooks us breakfast and lunch and dinner, the people cutting the grass, man, it, it's all from top down. You know, it takes – that's another thing people don't see. Uh, but it, it it's hard to do, you know. And, and Russell, I had him as a rookie in his first three years. That dude goes to work. So I know he's uh, – I'm assuming that he's – still doing what he was doing as a young player, but better. So um, it, it just takes a lot of work. It's hard to be – it's hard to go win the Super Bowl. Believe that. You had – I think you played a couple of games. You had a season with rookie Deshaun Watson. I think he played only three games that year that you were there. Did Oh, no, did, he, he – seven games. Seven games. Did yep, and then got anybody hurt. in yeah. the organization, y'all see that he would be what he turned into off of that rookie season? Like, oh yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be really good. Dude, he was on fire. Okay. Bill O'Brien, thank you. We were on track, we were on track to be the number one scoring offense ever. We were it was crazy. And as a part of my language here, but I call them stupid fucking rookies. He was a stupid fucking rookie as a quarterback. So we had to keep it real simple. And what he was doing with, let's just say, 50 plays in a game was awesome, you know? So here we're talking about a little negative about Russell Wilson and positive about Deshaun, right? But it was more than just them, you know? It was the defense was doing well. Special teams kicked it up a notch, you know? Um, O-line playing a little bit a little bit tougher or whatever it is because mm-hmm. every day or with every win, I should say, you start to see like, yo, all right, maybe he's just a stupid rookie, not a stupid fucking rookie, you know? So um, it, it was cool, dude. That Those first eight games uh, until he got hurt, um, it was exciting for me because it was my – I thought it was going to be my last season. Mm-hmm. And well, it was my last season, but I had the mindset like this is my last one. And so when Tom gets hurt, he comes in and the first, the second half of that first game, we were bad. But after that, it was cool to see and, and be there and score 34 points a game, I think. Yo, we put up 50, I think, one time. So it was cool because you could see you're right. Everybody sees it now. He has something special. I'm just glad. To, I'm just glad to be here. Facts. That was a was a crazy time. His whole time in Houston, different, just different yep. type of quarterback. Last one before we transition to fourth quarter. Is there, if you had to, if it's somebody that's you know trying to go into the league, that's playing tackle, that's playing on the O line, one piece of advice you would give? to a college player, a high school player that has aspirations to play O-line in the NFL? So just keep doing what you're doing, but get, try to get 1% better, or people say that, but just try to get better every day at your craft. Every single – just work on something. Like the one thing that changed my whole career was after practice in, when I got to Seattle – Every single day after practice, um, coach made me stay after and take my first step going left mm. to cut off, to cut somebody off. 
every day, bro. It, I, I hated doing it. I don't know why I was doing it, but he made me do it every day. The next season, I was one of the best ones cutting off a three technique. So if you put in that time, it, it will come back around, you know? Um, now with the O-line, and just like with anything in life, you, you got to just believe and believe, and it'll, it'll take you far. So just take the little details and, and don't forget about them. Hey, coach was doing the wax on, wax off, the – yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was um, it was cool because it worked, you know. Um, so I guess I I should say this first. You can't go anywhere in any league without being a student athlete first. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, I didn't really understand that. I wasn't good at it. I'm not good at school or whatever, but. Now I like to remind them, like, you can't get to the next level without those academics. You know, so that's the first thing they got to keep grinding on and then just work as much as you can on those little details in, in your craft. All good facts, all true, especially the student athlete part. All the pros that yeah. we have, they make sure to stress that because – We've had on a lot of people, too, that super talented but didn't get to showcase that because of the, the student aspect. And right. And and life happens sometimes, you know, and maybe it's not just school. But if you – I tell – my daughter's 15 years old. The one thing I tell her, the hardest thing to do every single day is to do what you think is the right thing. So um, – that's how I, I believe I believe in that. So um, it, it's tough, but you can't get on the field without them grades, man. No, nah, that's true in life. It's oftentimes the easier thing is to do the, the wrong thing, and that's the easier way out. Because you know what the, a lot of times you know what to do, but it's right. easy to do like homework so, or play Madden. Okay. There you go. That's what I'm saying. You know, you what you think is the right thing. What I think is the right thing might be different than yours. So as I as I grow and you start to look back, like I thought that was the I knew it was the wrong thing, or I knew it was the right thing. So it's different for everybody. That's why I try to say it that way. Yes, sir. Fourth quarter segment, ending off the show. What is your favorite meal? Rice and beans. My parents are Brazilian. Rice and beans every single day. I could eat that for the rest of my life. Any protein put on the side with that, or are you just good with the rice and beans? Well, I mean, if I, it's always some, a little bit of protein. I didn't get to 340 without it, but if I had to eat something every day, rice, beans, and chicken or steak or pork. Got it. For you, what were your five hardest matchups? Oh, what do you mean? Every one of them. Um, <laughs> I told you, man, I was, I was at a disadvantage. Uh, so, then who, is, who comes to mind as some of your, some yeah, of your most you. memorable matchups then? Yeah, no, I got you. The, the guys that I played um, the most, really, Javon Curse was the first one. He mm. kicked my ass in Green Bay. 
Uh, and that's when I'm like, yeah, I don't belong here. So that's a, that's a memory. It's a core memory that I have. But the guys that I went, um, see, uh, Ahmad Brooks, Ooh. he was a dog. Chris Long, now nah, yeah, you bring um, Ninkovich, Cameron Wake, Wake in Miami. Um, yeah, man. Yo, anybody that I played was tough. <laughs> but the top, when you ask about the top five, you know, it's um, it's the guys that you see twice a year for four or five years. Mm. You know, because, well, they're going to do the same thing, you know? You kind of learn how they play, and it's those are the, always the toughest battles. And, and it shows. Look at all the division games. Those aren't blowouts, you know what I mean? Um, so much respect to every defensive player I've ever played against. Um, but the guys that we saw over and over in the same division were the toughest ones. Every week when we do our picks for the, the games, one of my co-hosts, he always says it. It'd be a game like Giants-Cowboys. All the Cowboys are 4-1 and, and the Giants are 1-6. He'd be like, I don't care. It's a division game. Yeah. In division yeah. games, it does not matter what the record is. Those, It's going to be a tough game regardless. It's very rare. Like you said, it's very rare you see an in-division game, 45-7. to seven. It's, it's very rare. Right. No, and sometimes it happens, right? But your, uh, your partner there is on it because you know what they're doing. We're not going to – they're not going to change it up, you know. Um it's those are the best battles, though. You walk off that that field, like man, I got him. And he, let's say it's in December, the last week or whatever. I got him. He got to wait all off season to come back and get me. You know, so uh, the respect for the division opponents is is awesome. Now you you've been on teams that had Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, Mike Vick, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We already yeah. talked about Sean Watson. Who oh, yeah. was your favorite quarterback that you blocked for? Um, so being in the huddle with him and like dog, I that's my that's Vic. What is he doing in, in this huddle? That's Michael Vic. What the fuck's going on here? Not only that, okay, he is a lefty, so I'm right tackle. Now I'm on his blind side. I have to protect Michael's Vic's blind side as a right tackle. Like I had his jersey in sixth grade, seventh grade. I, I didn't really do an awesome, awesome person. Um, he was cool, dude. That to me was like, holy shit. And, and I ended up giving up one sack. Uh, that, I regret that one. Uh, but blocking for him was really – Really cool. He only had seven games, I think, or eight games. But um, the guy I had most fun with was Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he you guys see him on TV now. That's how he is on the field, in the locker room, at the ice cream parlor with his family. Like, it was – he is just such a good human. It, it was um, a smart human. Um, I miss it. I miss football every day, man, because of those relationships. Fitz magic. Yes, Obviously. sir. 
Are you all throughout his whole career, like you said, fun to watch, exciting. You, you could tell that he exuded the love and joy for the game every single day, and he was, it did a. It didn't matter, do it as a quarterback, and he just spread that energy, I should say, you know, throughout throughout the building. Yeah, it was, that was hard. Uh, that was I, awesome. I looked at people weird that wrote, that rooted against Fitzpatrick. It, it was it's hard to root against Fitzpatrick, man. All right. <laughs> right, that's the other thing. He's one of us, you know. Like he shouldn't be here. He should be somewhere else doing something at Harvard or something. Uh, but he's not. He's a quarterback, and he. He's gaining an advantage somehow, some way, and it's it was cool. It was cool to see, and I really have a lot of respect for him. Same question. You've been in the huddle with the Chris Ivy of the world, your teammate back in college, Bilal Powell, Mashawn Lynch, Lamar Miller. Yep. Who was the same question for running backs, though? Okay. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's Marshawn, man. You know, he's, uh, he's, he was a different guy. He's a different character. And by different is what, like, what people expect us as players to be, you know? Um, so he was unique. He was, he was his own individual, you know, before he was beast mode. Um, so part of what I was doing with him, talking about that cutoff block, was like, dude, take one more step. Just, just fucking believe me and do it. Will you please do it? And so our relationship till this day, we just celebrated 10 years in Seattle. Um, he's been on, on a bunch of trips. So he, he's a unique character. And my, my relationship with him because of football is why I can, I'm, I'm saying his name. Um, because he was cool. And then and to top it off, I mean, he's beast mode. You know, how awesome is that? Like my daughter, like I'm going to call Sean. He'll FaceTime with my daughter. You know, he knows my daughter. It's so it's unique in that aspect. Like, yeah, he's beast mode and he's this and he's that. Really to us, he's just, a, he's just one of my best friends. So this that's, day, Marshawn is awesome. That's dope. And you can see that in everything that he's in, whether he's being interviewed by Shannon Sharp, whether he's on NFL Network, whether he's out, you know, giving to the poor. Like, you can tell yeah. outside looking in. Obviously, I didn't know Marshawn Lynch, but the outside looking in, he gives yeah. off. He's just a really good person. Forget the – forget football. Like, he's a – No, solid, right. Solid Dude, that's – what makes it that special is because that's who he is every single day. That's how he is. I'm not kidding. Every single day, it don't matter where if we're in the hood in Brazil or we're on the Super Bowl field. You know, Marshawn is going to be Marshawn. He's not making anything up. He's just going to be real with you. And one thing with him, if you cross his line one time, bro, don't ever come back here. Don't ever come back here. He's not going to – we might have to work together. We might have to be in the same building. But if you – that was one thing, like – He's not going to cross your line. Don't cross his line. If you do, he's just going to keep it real with you and not pretend you're not there. You could appreciate that, though. You could appreciate. You, you appreciate where he stands, the honesty and the realness that Marshawn portrays and everything that he does. Last one before we get you out of here again. We appreciate you hopping on, taking time out of your busy schedule to hop on with us. Give us 
three things that you cannot live without? Uh, um, my belief in belief, uh, you know, in the man and, and my daughter. Uh, after that, definitely rice and beans. Every single day, rice and beans. Um, and then the last one, I can't live. I, um, let me see. Without sports, dude, without football, it's tough to live in the offseason. You know, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I, I don't watch a lot of shows, but I, I just enjoy my time watching sports and, and seeing guys go through it and just knowing that, I, you know, looking back, like, it, keep, it keeps me going every day. That's a pretty solid list. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Great list. We appreciate you again hopping on. Brino, yeah, no problem. the epitome of what we talk about on our show. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench Mob, ENT, we out. Peace.